Hello everyone, welcome. This is episode 8 of the Fulixer Espresso Ride and Podcast. Uh, we're over here on the east side of town at uh, Coffee Hunter. It's a really cool spot actually. Uh, lots of unique menu items like cronuts, uh, maple bacon cronuts, apple pie cronuts, which I have in front of me right now, cold brew coffee on tap and uh, espresso waffle shops. It's uh, quite interesting. Um, anyway, with that we've got our special guest, um, George P. How's it going, George? Pretty good, guys. Good, G-G-G. good. What up? Uh, yeah, George is a close friend of Pablo and I, so we thought we'd get him on the show as he is uh, unfortunately leaving town uh, for good, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Pablo and I thought it would be a good opportunity to get, you know, as Las Vegas is such a transient city, um, someone who's, you know, moved here from a different city, um, enjoyed the Las Vegas experience, but now is having to leave it. Thought it'd be a good conversation to have with you. Like, um, how's your time been here? Um, you know, let's link it back to the endurance sports because that's what we're into as well. Like, you know, you, I think you got into cycling while you were here, uh, but you were kind of into sports before. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that. How did you end up here, and why are you leaving? So I, uh, I took a job. Uh, wait, 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 wait. You need to pronounce your last name. Oh, it's Platanyotis. Okay. Do it Greek, Greek way. That's the Greek way. Okay, good. Um, so I moved to Las Vegas uh, on New Year's Day four and a half years ago. I had been living in New York City for almost uh, 11 years at that point. Um, I, had, uh, I had a bout with cancer in 2007, 2008, and afterwards kind of everything changed. I no longer wanted the big city lifestyle. I didn't want to do the rat race thing anymore. I wanted more of a quality lifestyle. One of the ongoing conditions that I still kind of deal with is uh, humidity. So living on the East Coast, it's a little bit of a problem for someone who has holes in their bones, right? So I have that um, as a result from my multiple myeloma. That's, so that's what the condition is called? Is so the cancer was multiple myeloma. Okay. And one of the effects is the, the high calcium basically right. deteriorates your bones, right. right? So you have lesions all over the place. So in a highly, you know, humid area, like call it Miami's terrible, right? When I've gone to Miami, horrible. New York, uh, Washington, D.C., all awful. So you, you feel almost like you have migraines throughout your entire body. Um, so my brother had been living in Vegas for well over a decade at that point. Um, and I been coming out here to visit and you know what with the dry area climate I didn't have those issues so I ended up getting a job out here and moving out here and my experience here has been absolutely f-ing terrific um, it's been a very difficult decision for me to actually determine if I was going to leave or not um, but for my career it makes the most sense and by all means it's not a permanent thing I can easily change my mind a year or two down the road and find myself right back here in Las Vegas um, as far as athletics goes um, Before cancer, I had asthma, and surprisingly, after cancer, I no longer had asthma. Um, And so, when I was coming out of recovery, the doctor suggested, you know, walking around the block. And so I'd do it once, I'd do it twice, I'd do it three times, and then I'd slowly start to pick up the pace, and I'd walk with my dad, or my mom, or my sister, and I slowly got stronger and stronger, and I realized, you know, all right, I'm gonna go for a little jog. And so I'd go for like a little jog, and I'd realize that I didn't need my inhaler anymore which is kind of unique. And so one of the bonuses of, of going through all this is I was no longer asthmatic. What was um, the explanation? There is no explanation. No explanation? No explanation on that whatsoever, but I'll gladly take it. So before, I was more of a lifter. Do, do, they, do they maybe think it's something to do with, like, did, I mean, did you have to do, like, chemo? So I did a like bunch that? of chemo, radiation. I did two stem cell transplants, one from myself, one from my brother. And, it, yeah, literally, they ran the gamut on me uh, as far as treatments are concerned. And I came out 
different, almost like a version of my brother, right? Because he was yeah. the person that I did the, the transplant with. And uh, so I, I quickly realized that I had, I no longer had that limitation. So I started getting into endurance running. So my friend Tiffany used to call me a Grenyan, the Greek Kenyan, right? Because like, everywhere, every, all the time, I'd just be running, um, kind of like. Forrest Gump, it was really strange. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And running in New York was hard on the body, though, right? So, like, you know, ice baths, all that crap. Um, so, when I moved to Las Vegas, I was starting to do some half marathons here, and I was having some great success. And the one that I did in April, almost four years ago now, uh, I, I posted my best time. I did a 117 on a half. I mean, I was really getting good at it. Yeah, pretty fast. And then, uh, about a month later into training, I actually tore my plantar fascia in my left foot. And so the doctor's like, yeah, your foot's toast. He goes, you have to figure out another avenue in order to, you know, get your endurance. And so he goes, you can either do swimming or you can do cycling. And I had a bike. I, when, I got, when I was sick, I had it uh, mounted on a trainer. And yeah. so I would just, you know, try to keep some level of fitness. And you're a big, like, Tour de France fan, right? Yeah, I started like... watching the Tour de France back when Greg LeMond and Laurent Fignon were going at it, you know. And so I was hooked in the mid to late 80s, and nothing's ever changed. Some guys watch the end of a stage. I'll watch all yeah. seven hours <laughs> of the footage every day for three weeks. I absolutely love it. Um, but in any case, so once I tore my foot, the doctor's like, yeah, so you have these options. And it was the middle of winter, so I'm like, all right, I had to do something indoors. And my buddy Matt, he's like, oh, there's a spin class at Lifetime. Let's do it. And so like, I did a couple of spin classes, and that's when actually I met Stevie White. And you know, we started talking. He's like, yeah, we do this ride on Wednesday mornings. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll join. I mean, I'm, I figure, you know, I'm a good runner. I, I should be able to hold my own against these guys. And so I get out there, and I got absolutely f- demolished. Like, literally everyone dropped me on Villa. I was just looking around. I'm like, well, I thought I was in really good shape. No, I was in no. psycho shape. Um, but I, I'm very competitive. And so, like, I remembered every face on that day. <laughs> and I promised myself that I'll take every one of those out at some point. Now, as you all know, in cycling, you have good days and you have your bad days. But on the good day, I would make sure to pay them back for that 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 uh, foray into cycling. And so, I actually think myself, you guys, yeah. and actually Kevin Turchin yeah. started pretty much at the same time, yeah. about four years ago or so. So, it's been an interesting experience kind of getting immersed in the cycling community here. So, you have different factions, right? You have the people that are the weekend warriors. Yeah. You got, all the way to the other end where you have the guys that just literally race yeah. non-stop no and I think there's a lot of that like I can definitely relate to that first time you go out and like yeah you think you are in shape you, you know you go to the gym or whatever for a few years or like you've done marathons and then suddenly you're on this bike and like people are zooming by and it's like how how is this even possible this isn't like it's, it's weird right? the weird thing was like so I'm looking at these 50 plus year old guys and they're robots on a bike and I'm like how is this even possible I'm like either I really sucked my whole life and I was lying to myself or these guys are like machines right and so I was hooked immediately the competitive spirit was stoked Um, so that's when we kind of got into a a little bit of racing and I did it for about six months but what I quickly found was I actually didn't enjoy racing whatsoever because my limitations aren't the same as the next person's right and so there are some people that are just genetically gifted and you'll never beat them so why bother so I ultimately decided you know what I don't want to race anymore I just want to make myself better right and so I would basically just monitor my own training and say alright 
here's where I'm starting, where do I want to end up? And that's what was most material to me, yeah. um, is bettering myself, because I'm not into, you know, measuring sizes with guys on the bikes, because there's some dudes that are like 20, 21 years old right now that weigh 130 pounds, you're never going to beat those guys. Yeah. So here's, you know? here's, here's, here's something, so for, for those of you who don't know who are listening, there's this application called Strava, and on, on a lot of uh, endurance sport athletes, they track their activity on this on this application. Um, what is your your, your, uh, your handle on Strava? Uh, the one currently is uh, Diamond Donny Azoff. Diamond Donny Azoff, okay. Um, if, if you can't find that because he... You, you constantly change a little bit, right? Yeah, I've, I've stuck with this one right. for a while yeah. now. So the guys at Mickey's, they, they nicknamed me before I changed it, the uh, the Wolf of Walgreens. So, and so, so I'm like, well, it's befitting that well, I changed know, my it, name. It, it's amazing that you just said that because what I was trying to get at is in some in some of these lab tests, whatever they were doing, I, I'm willing to bet that they put some Wolverine blood into you because if you go on to your activity, you're out at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., right? Before yeah. the moon is out, I think. Yeah, so there's I a mean, few of us in town that have to get up early. So my, but my question is, like, where, the, where, that, where do you get this energy from? And what are you thinking during these rides? And why are you even doing that? Uh, so the, there's multiple reasons why I do it. One, I absolutely love it, right? And so for me, getting up that early, it doesn't bother me. Because I'm up early now anyways. It's become a part of life. Like, today I didn't ride, but I was still up at four. Like, and I was looking at my bike in the box. I'm like, maybe I could take it out and go for a quick spin, right? I mean, but... Uh, no, I, I like the early mornings. I like the fact that I'm at hard at work before everyone's still asleep. Like, it's a, it's a good thing for me mentally, like, knowing that I'm getting my day started right. Um, unlike other people that can start their workday later, call it at noon or 1 o'clock, like, I have to be at the office at 8. So I got to get my workout in. So if I need to do 40, 50, or 60 miles, you got to roll it back early enough in the morning where I can get that workout in. Um, so you, 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 love, you love this thing that you do called cycling yeah. so much that you're willing to adapt your life to it around your work and everything that you, else you have, right? Are you kidding me? I go to Greece every summer, and the first thing I think about is, you know, taking my bike and where am I riding over there, not where am I sitting on the beach. It's, it's definitely primary. I mean, going back to the career thing, that was the biggest... I guess negative is like where can I ride in Chicago and so when I got the job offer and I was still kind of mulling it over I'm like on Strava like I'm on Google Maps and like I'm, I'm, I'm on that my ride looking at other people's rides in Chicago to see like where am I going to get my miles in every morning you know so like it's that important to me and so if it was taken away it'd be a bit of an issue so there's there's something that, a conversation that Kaz and I have, have been having um, lately and it's and it's around like you know our our performance on a bike cycling right the data that we pull um, you know things like RPMs and cadence and even when you're riding in groups when there's like someone who's pulling someone who's in the back uh, pace lighting you know all the, all these types of uh, things that go into play when you're when you're riding um, and kind of like seeing if there's correlations with it in your in the corporate world right and like how you work and how you perform as a person do you see any type of correlations with uh, with cycling and performance and performance at work I think it's just personality based I think if you're someone who defers a lot you sit in the back and you suck wheel right do, do, you, do you think that that, that would kind of like you would also see that person do that at work too yeah absolutely I think it's I think that is just their personality at all so like guys that are on the front are alpha males always right 
they're just they're just willing to get out there and just do the hard work and I find that holds true in the corporate capacity as well I've never had that issue getting out front and, and you know just literally putting my head my, my, my nose in the wind for hours on end I mean what we did a ride what a month ago I think I did like what 70 miles at the front not even looking for help I I got that from Steve White right he's like get out front set your pace and you can stay there whereas I'm never I've never been comfortable when other people are in front of me one I I need to really trust their wheel significantly so there's only a handful of people I truly trust but I like setting my own pace because I can I can do six seven hours at a certain pace and never ever change some guys can go out there and like you know they'll blow their wad in 20 minutes and they're done I mean, you see my rides in the morning. They're not short. I don't do short rides. Like, if I'm only going out for an hour, that's either because I have, like, two FTP tests that I'm going to do, or I don't have enough time to log in a long one. I think in four years, I'm at, like, 50,000 miles. Like, it's pretty crazy. You're a fucking legend, dude. You're a legend. I love it, though. I'm going to miss... I'm going to miss... Las Vegas because we have a great community, great cycling community. And when I moved here, I knew three people. Yeah. My brother, his roommate, my friend Rosie. And now I, I know hundreds of people and a large portion of those people are cyclists, you know? Yeah. So, um, so one of your passions as well, along with cycling, um, I, I've experienced this, um, is food, right? Oh, yeah. So I, I wanted to know if... Um, now that you're leaving, did you have like a, a Vegas bucket list of like places you had to go before I you left? everything. So <laughs> I can't cook or I've never taken the time to learn how to cook properly. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a byproduct of having parents who are fantastic cooks. So I always eat out, always. So you're, you're leaving today. So in the past like month or two months, have there been like the places, okay, I need to go here because I know I'm not going to get to go. Yes, so there have been, there've been a few. Um, so my friend Nina owns this place, Forte, my favorite oh, place. It's, 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 a, it's the um, Eastern European tapas yeah, yeah, place yeah, yeah. on, uh, I think it's... Flamingo and Rainbow. Yeah, um, really good. Love that place. It's been my favorite place since uh, I started going there. Um, I went to Michael Mina. So if you haven't gone to dinner there, in my estimation, that's at the Bellagio. It's at the Bellagio. We did that one. I went to Bartolotta at the Wynn. Love that place. And my favorite pancakes uh, are at Tableau at the Wynn. If you guys ever like pancakes, that place is unbelievable I like I hardly ever go to the strip anymore I don't know the local spot like Forte I love yep. like, there's a lot of good local spots right I mean I, I mean yeah. you have Lotus of Siam that's tremendous Latai that's awesome I mean off the strip properties like Harstone is really cool um there's a lot of locations that you can go that probably five years ago didn't exist in Las Vegas, and the food scene has definitely kind of expanded significantly. Plus, the pricing on the strip is a bit ridiculous. I mean, who's going to be willing to spend, you know, call it 70 to 100 bucks on a meal, you know, a couple nights a week? That, that's aggressive. What's better for food, New York or Vegas? New York. Yeah. It's not even close. We don't have the selection. We also don't have a very diverse population in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I think the statistic is you can hit a different restaurant three times a day in New York and still hit only maybe a fourth of all the restaurants in just you were Manhattan in San proper, right? I was San Francisco, right? I mean, yeah. So San Fran's up there as well as far as cuisine. Vegas is great, but it's not, it's not. Yeah. So I've been, I've seen some YouTube videos. Is this true? From someone who's been living in New York for some period of their life, I've been watching these YouTube videos of these chefs and these like foodies in New York. They literally spend an evening going to different restaurants and eating. They'll eat like five different meals. 
That's crazy. Is that, is that, I've, never, I've never heard of that, but you know what? Sign me up. If I can have five minutes of dinner, you know, I'll go ride a century before and then just sit there and stuff my face. Yeah. That's one of the other byproducts, right? So you can really eat whatever you want. Have you, have you found your spot in Chicago yet? Have you found a little corner spot? Hold the problem is I've been commuting back and forth, so I've gone to a couple places. Uh, one that I highly recommend is Girl on the Goat. That's very good. Uh, there's a barbecue place called Bub City that's also pretty good, and there's a great Mexican place called Frontera Grill. Awesome. But it's going to take time to, to learn the city and learn where to go. And I mean, I literally only know colleagues there, so I'm going to have to be a little bit more social than I actually have been to kind of get really immersed in the new scene. I suppose I'll have to go on some group cycling rides and deal with those threads out there. They're so slow. It's amazing. Like you see their Strava feeds are like average 15 miles an hour. I mean, we're sleepwalking and doing that here on a ride, so it'll be a unique experience. So is there is there a woman out there? What's going on with you? With, what's your, is there a with woman your, out there? No. Yeah, with your private life? No. It's work. Work is the woman. Yeah. Yep. And you're, you're doing it hard. I'm doing it very hard. <laughs> For the time being, yeah. the ultimate goal is to get back to the West Coast. Yeah. The lifestyle here is tremendous. I mean, even Vegas alone with the low cost of living, no taxation, right? I mean, it's, it's beneficial, right? And you can train year-round. There's only a few places in the States that you can actually get away with that. And it's mostly in the Southwest. So I definitely envision myself coming back, for sure. Nice. Um, do you think you'll still cycle there? Do you, do you, I mean, do you, so you said you will, but do you think it'll phase out a little bit and you'll get into other things? Or? Well, the problem is it's flat there, right? So, I, you know, on the weekends, I've already kind of looked into going to Wisconsin. So there's a place called Lake Geneva. Like, I can go there and do some, some climbing. Um, but no, no, I'm going to ride every day. I think during the winters, though, I mean, I'm not going to go out in subarctic weather. Yeah. I have the trainer, so I'll become, what is that program? Swift. Swift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be on Swift, but it's yeah, not going to be like year round. I, I, I did a couple of rides on Zwift. You can do like group rides on Zwift. Like, you should definitely try the, uh, the McCarthy, the McCarthy ride. Um, just look it up. Okay. People can't even finish his, his ride. Like they, they say it's the, one of the hardest like like packages yeah. you can get. In Zwift. So one of the cool things about Zwift, like I, I mean, I went on there a little bit. You can um, look for group rides based on what's per kilo. So it's like, oh, you know, I want to do average two-hour group ride that's 4.5 watts per kilo or something. And it's That'll like, hurt. Literally. <laughs> That'll really hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, some people have said, like, that's all they do now. It's like, it's kind of weird. Like, um, it's, a, it's just a transition that we're in right now, right? It's like, people used to meet up at restaurants, but now they're talking on, like, Facebook and, like, Twitter or whatever. And, like, it looks like that same thing is happening in other places as well, like cycling and stuff. The interesting thing though, so, so I think there was like a, an evolution where everyone kind of went away from feel and they went towards numbers, right? Yeah. And there's almost so much focus on numbers now with watts and you know cadence and all that stuff. There are rides now that I've gone on where I literally will just take the garment and put it in my back pocket and I just want to ride on feel. Because sometimes when I see a number and I'm going really hard, I'm like... I gotta back down, right? I got, otherwise, I'm not gonna be able but to. But you still sustain. wanna look at it often, right? I'll, <laughs> the, the analysis is different, but that's post. But during, I found like, so there was one Tuesday ride on McGee's. I mean, you know, Bruce is out front just absolutely yeah. obliterating people, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna bury myself. And so I get home, and like, I saw that I was so deep in the red for almost 10 minutes. I would have never done that if I looked yeah, at just the numbers. Huh? If you had the number right. But I would have been like, nah, I'm like, I, I can't sustain this. But like, if you just put it in your pocket, you're like, you know what? 
I'm going for it. And surprise, surprise, you can do it. So, yes, there's an absolute need to kind of analyze the stuff. I found for myself personally, like it was inhibiting during a ride. Like, I'm like, nah, I don't need that. Yeah. Or I'm going really too hard for too long. Like, I can't sustain this. Yeah. But if you don't have it, you're like, all right, just all on feel. Yeah. So, no, the, there's definitely something like the quanti quantified self. Like, it, I think there's benefits to it, but like, it, um, it looks to me as though there's a lot of um, negatives around it as well. Like it might cause stress, like it inhibits maybe your performance, that kind of thing. It's interesting. Yeah. So there's a so I had bought a TT a TT bike about a year and some odd months ago, and my buddy James Biles like, all right, let's go for a ride. We're gonna go out and back. He's like, but we're going full gas. He goes, don't come around. He goes, just try to hang on. And I'm like, all right, this guy's an absolute machine. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to hang on. And so he he also was like, yeah, don't don't worry about the numbers. Head down, let's go. So I, I didn't even look at it. I just put it in my pocket. The whole time, I was literally holding on, begging him to slow down. Like, there's there's something about being behind someone. You can see there's, like, the striations in their calves. Like, literally just, like, pulsing like crazy. And I'm like, I can't believe this guy is doing this for this long. So we get home. I was literally over my limit for almost 75 minutes. If I had, I would have easily just pulled up lame on myself. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Let James go. I, I can't hang. But I did. So, again... There's, there's, there's time to analyze and there's time to just kind of let it fly. Like in races, right? There's, I think it was the, what's the one, Valley of, Valley of Fire, where we made like a plan, you and I, that I was going to go hit the first hill very hard and then you were going to kind of take off. I absolutely buried myself there. You know, we got a nice gap. And then, like, I look at the data afterwards. I'm like, I've never hit 191 beats per minute in my life. And I hit it there. Again, like, that's concerning if you're looking at it. You're like, oh, my God, what am I doing to myself? Is this really healthy? Um, so, again, I, there's need for it. But I'm kind of shying away from just staring at it all the time like I had been I think there was a year all I did was like I have to hit this number of watts for this many minutes this many times a week and it, it took the joy and love away oh, yeah. from riding I think you go through the phases don't you start on Strava trying to attack people's segments and stuff and then you go okay well I need to improve my power so then you get get power meter get obsessed with those numbers and then it's just this vicious cycle and then it's like you get burnt out or whatever but yeah I learned so there's something interesting that someone brought to my attention as it relates to Strava um, there's actually a, uh, an app there where you can load your ride and actually adjust your numbers. So I actually am starting to question now, like some superhuman efforts. Because you know when you ride with certain guys, you're like, all right, you put them in like a level, right? You're like, here, one, two, three, four, five, whatever you want to label them. And they're always showing they're a two or a three. And then put on Strava, they're always like a four or five. How is that possible, right? And they're always alone when they're doing these, these superhuman efforts. So it's called digital EPL. Well, that's why that's why these you know group rides are so important, right? Because you, you can't hide it. You can't hide it. You fall, you're fall, you're done. Yep. Right. You you can you can see it on someone else's face. Right. You can't you can't hide it at all. Right. But yeah, you can you can go and and, and, and adjust the numbers on the software if you like. But I mean, what what is that? Which do? why do people do that anyways? You're really cheating yourself for what? So you have a little crown next to your name? Like that's kind of lame. But there are a lot of lame around here that do that because I've seen efforts that I'm like I'm sorry you're not doing 1400 VAM for 10 minutes like that's just not reasonable right pros can't even hold that and yet a local amateur is doing that not buying it so I, I've noticed more of that recently so you you know a lot of riders in town right uh, I've probably ridden with 
pretty just much about everyone. everyone. Yeah. So what, what's your what's your take on on everyone who like who rides here and says they're on a team and, and they're like you know a racing team in Vegas? And, you know, do you think that's real? Do you think it, it exists? If, if it's real to them, then, then yeah, absolutely. But as, it, a, as a as a as an for me, for yeah, as, not I mean, really, not not really. I'm not really into the racing scene. Like I just like to go out and ride, you know. And I like I don't. I don't care who I ride with. I just want to like the people, and I don't care what jersey they have on. It doesn't matter to me. So, like, early in the mornings, I'm always riding with the Burrows, right? Because they're the early risers. And so, like, Al, you know, Aaron, Brian, all those guys, they just love to ride, and they ride hard, and it's great. Um, you know, during, like, the McGee's ride, it was the McGee's guys or the Carefast guys, you know? So it's, it's a different group, and they have different ambitions. Some guys are racers. Some guys do it for fitness. I think I fall more in line with the guys that like to do fitness. So, I would probably be more inclined to like the racing scene if we actually had a real one locally, right? Traveling four hours to do a 45-minute race and all that nonsense, like, it seems like a waste of a weekend to me, you know? Plus, and I'm a single guy, so for me to do that, it's not a real big deal, but most of these guys are married with kids, you know? So, there's a cost to, to, to pay there, um, I didn't even want to pay it as a single guy. Um, and I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, monetarily. Like, yeah. my time is more important than going and, like... Taking a whole day. Yeah, and going up against weekend warriors just to stand on a wooden box in some random parking lot. Like, that doesn't do it for me, but it does it for others, and that's fantastic, right? Like, some dudes like fat chicks. I don't like fat chicks, you know? So, but that's their I, thing. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point of being in Vegas and having to drive that amount of time. Like, I think it would be a different story if we lived in California, right? Like, oh, there's a race, like, 20 minutes away. You just yeah. shower, you're there in 15, yeah, 20 like, minutes, let's no do it. Deal, right? <laughs> Here, like, it's a whole ordeal. Yeah. You have to plan out, you know, a hotel and all this why, other nonsense. Why aren't there races in Vegas, like, why isn't anyone throwing a race here? It's a great question. I mean, I think they've tried in the past. They had that one, what, last year, that crit downtown that was a real disaster? Yeah. I think somebody walked onto the course and there was an yeah. accident, if I'm not mistaken. And there have been races. I know I spoke to Tim at Vegas Bike Store. He's been here in part of the cycling community for, like, a good number of years. And he's, like, seen, like, races come and go. He's actually going to be on the show next week. So it's definitely something to ask him about. I feel like there's a community here that definitely wants that sort of thing. Um, I would have loved it, right? I wouldn't have done it all the time, but... I would have preferred road races and TTs because those are things that I enjoy more. Like, crits are just not for me. They're more like, you know, bumper cars than anything else. And I don't like going down. I've touched the pavement too many times already. So, not desirous of ever doing that again. But, like, if there were, like, local TTs, I would have signed up for all of them. You know, we have the roads to do it. I mean, the roads here are like glass. We have areas here where you can go unobstructed, un no stop signs, no, no, you know, stop lights for 15, 20 miles. Rare is a time you can do that anywhere else. We really do have a unique situation here, and the weather is great. So, I mean, if you can deal with the wind that we have, especially the last couple days, um, it's a great place to ride. So I'm kind of still stunned that we don't have more races here. Because the ones that we've done in California, the roads are yeah, know, they're, they're really not nice. Some of the roads are dangerous, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Here, we don't have dangerous roads, yeah. but we just don't have races. And I think a lot of people would like them to be here because people don't want to travel. If they can stay at home, they're saving a lot of money, too, right? Because none of these teams are picking up any tabs. You're all out of pocket on this stuff. Cycling isn't exactly a cheap sport, and so if you're, if you're living in Las Vegas and you're making, say, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, it's a real hit to you, right? 
some guys, it doesn't matter, 100, 200 bucks, no big deal. But the people with families, it's it's a it's a it's a huge financial burden, especially if you're racing every week. They call it a grand a month. You know, that's serious cash. Yeah, no, no, you're totally right. Um, there's one other thing I was going to say to people. Um, it's pretty entertaining following you on uh, social media. Um, so before we go, I, I think you should just let people know how they can uh, get your, uh, you know, the daily dose of George's uh, political um, opinions and satire. <laughs> I would subscribe to it. I feel like you, you know why though. You know why I would, sus- I would subscribe to you because like there's enough. I get on my on my feed on Facebook that I actually like block now I started blocking stuff because it's like boring but I actually I, I'm starting to even like try to look for yours right so you should just have a newsletter so I can just get in my, in my inbox and just read it so I don't have to go on <laughs> it's Facebook. interesting I actually don't go on there to read anybody's stuff I just right. post and I walk away because I find that it dumbs you down because Social media has become a place where it's polarized people so much now. Where if you like something, there's some algorithm in the back end that's basically bringing around things to you that you're going to inherently like. So it, it, it's taking people and taking them to the extreme. So why are you having these clashes online? And I don't want to be a part of that. I also don't want to realize how many of my friends are really stupid, right? And so I just eliminate that altogether. I post what I need to. Uh, and then I walk away. But anyways, to answer your question, Kaz, uh, you know, my name is George Blavignotti. He's easy to find on, on Facebook. And I'm BrockLanders23 on Twitter. So uh, you post on both? Is it, is it different content? Do we get like oh, a you're different... On Twitter? We, I haven't seen I'm on Twitter as well. I, I just you post, don't follow you on Twitter. So on Twitter, I'm a little bit more vulgar. Oh, because really? oh my God. So Twitter, Twitter is like the secret. Okay. So I'm more vulgar on there because I have family members, young family members. And so on Facebook, okay. and, yeah, granted, I have still a little vile on there and I can drop some vitriol but I, I, there is a limit where I won't cross on Twitter there's there's no limit I'm just going to go in and if people don't like it the unfriend button or unfollow button is right there and I'm fine with that too I'm, I'm not looking to you know be politically correct at all because we already have too much of that nonsense no, it's, it's entertaining we'll put, I'll put the links on there so people can start Fantastic, to follow you yeah. and be entertained before, before we, uh, we close out what's your favorite ride here in Vegas to recommend for anyone stopping by what's the go to Tuesday McGee's I, I absolutely I never missed it I mean there's there's moments in this winter I'd be the only one on it is it still called that well I would call it that one yeah I mean the really cold days where it'd be like in the high 20s low 30s here I'd still show up and and maybe be the guy that wears the jeans Pat he'd show up too but that'd be pretty much it but no if you want a good ride that's going to test all your skill right that's a great hour and a half it'll knock your and sometimes the other times you'll have a good day yeah. and it's fantastic like now's the best time of the year it's not too hot and those rides swell to call it 50, 60, 70 people and now that it's past racing season perfect ride awesome All right. Georgie man thank you George thanks guys for having good. me on have a good trip to Chicago thank and you. um I know I'm going to come and visit soon. Yeah, I haven't staked out in a couple months, so do some rides, do some good eating. Sure. Cool. Strong. Thanks very much, George. Uh, We'll see everyone next week. Peace. Hi, hi everyone. Got a little bonus uh, for you this week. Uh, As I said, uh, we're at Coffee Hunter. It's a fairly new shop, um, and I'm here with uh, you're one of the co-owners. Yes. Yeah, uh, Doug Hawkins. Um, Hi, Doug. How are you doing? How are you? Good. Good. Um, So this place opened a couple of months ago, right? Uh, Yeah, March 9th. 
March 9th. Officially. Awesome. awesome. And you guys are out of Portland? Yes. Awesome. So what, um, what brought you to Vegas? Uh, my son moved here about three years ago. Okay. And uh, we have been talking about a coffee shop about that long. And uh, I moved down a year and a half ago and said, let's get it done and do it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so you had a lot of success in Portland, I take it. Um, I was looking at it on Yelp, I discovered it. And, um, you know, you have some pretty unique menu items. Yes. Um, I just had one of the cronuts. Um, it was fantastic. Do you want to explain to people what a cronut is? A cronut. <laughs> uh, it is a cross between a croissant and a donut. Yeah. And uh, I think they're pretty great. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can definitely I try, attest to that. I try yeah. to limit myself to about three a week. Is it, is, it, <laughs> is it just the two flavors? So I had the apple pie one. My wife actually just had the maple bacon one, and uh, both were uh, yeah, uh, We get two different fruit fillings. There's okay. uh, blueberry and the apple. And oh then we get the maple bacon, which is very popular. Oh, I need to come back for the blueberry. I love blueberries. Um, <laughs> and then also I see you have cold brew coffee on tap, yes. which is kind of unique also. I haven't seen that at a coffee shop here yet. So um, explain cold brew to people as well. Uh, so. Cold brew, it is a process. Uh, usually uh, the people we get it from, Stumptown, it's a cold brewing process that takes about uh, 18 hours. Okay. Uh, there's no heat involved. It's cold water and ground coffee. Yeah. And it reduces the acids in the coffee about 70%. Oh, wow. Increases okay. the sweetness of the coffee a little bit. Yeah. No, I just had one. I, I, I like cold brew a lot. Um, yeah, definitely does all those things you just said, for sure. <laughs> and then um, one of my favorite things I saw here, um, which, again, I haven't seen anywhere. I don't know if you guys invented it or what, but it's the uh, waffle shots. Oh, the waffle cones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or waffle shots, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, when we were visiting down in L.A., uh, we were doing cafe tours and coffee shops, and we found a place down there that had them. Okay. And uh, we thought they were kind of unique, so right. we sought out the people that actually uh, make them. Yeah. And they're down in L.A., too, a couple of gal gals that uh, do that as a sideline. Yeah, no, that's totally awesome. Um, but yeah, no, love the establishment. Uh, you've got some artwork here for sale, which is great also. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for having us. And, oh, yeah. Uh, thanks for giving us a little bit of information about your business. Um, where can people follow you? Are you guys on Facebook? Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. And uh, the, the Instagram is pretty strong. I mean, that's, that seems yeah. to be where most of the activity is for people. Okay, uh, cool. To follow us. I'll post that up on so our website. So that's Coffee Hunter Vegas. Okay. And where did the name Coffee Hunter come from? Well, my son's name is Hunter, ah. but, but that actually isn't the, uh, the the nature of why we named it that way. Uh, when he first moved here three years ago, I would come down and visit for a couple months at a time. Uh -huh. And since we were talking about doing a coffee shop, we were hunting for okay. good coffee shops in town. Okay. Uh, the third wave coffee scene was not undeveloped completely, but it was... Pretty, pretty sparse. Yeah. So uh, while he'd go to work, my daily chore was to go find or hunt for good coffee. I see. So, no, awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much, Doug. I think we will definitely be back here. It's been great. Uh, food's great. Coffee's great, and it's a great location for us to come. Uh, thanks for having us. Oh, you bet. Appreciate Thank it. you. Cheers. Thanks.